A wise man once said, the future belongs to those who are working hard today. I then asked myself the very question, what is the future of Africa? What is the future of the black continent? What is the future of the black race? My name is Efoso Zaro. I'm the author of Zaro Fury, and you are listening to Zaro Fury Podcast. Uh, yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad, not bad. It's been it's been ages, isn't it? <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Really, yeah, so so basically, congratulations once again on your new book. This um Osarot Theory. That's I, I saw yeah. the book. I saw the book and I was like, wow, Elvis is Elvis has done it again. He has been able to leave his comfort zone to write a book. I've not I've not read the book yet, but I have ordered it. I ordered it on Amazon and it was telling me like, yo, it's gonna come like in three, four days because of this COVID nineteen, whatever. Yeah, yeah, this delay, is it? isn't it? Yeah, so but me, I kind of I'm someone that like when I need something, I always like go the extra mile. So what I did, I just had to get get some samples on the Kindle so that I'll be yeah. able to like go through it exactly. And wow, I was I was I was inspired by the by the topics you go on the chapters. Yeah. They're really, really, really touching, you know. So that's all yeah. that's all I just try and get Elvis up to see if if he's up so that we can like have like a little conversation about the book, you know. Yeah, of course. As- absolutely. Uh so, so basically the book was just uh, you know it's something that I always had in the back of my mind. You know, yeah. I've been doing music, you know me, like I've been doing music for for many years, you know. Yeah. And music is always like a, a passion, you know, something I just do because I love music, you know. But the book was always in uh, the back of my mind, so I really didn't have time to focus on it. And um, and also I was doubting myself that maybe I couldn't do it, you know. So, but anyway, it's, so I just had to like withdraw myself from social media and all that to really like focus on what I wanted to do. You understand me? So, and I got it done and put it out there. So yeah, it's been a bestseller and um, it's, it's worldwide actually. So you know, and uh, the book is available in Kindle, it's available in paperback, you know, like this, you know. So okay. it's it's everywhere, you know. So I mean, and it, this is one of my first books. So basically, I got three books. So this is going. This is my first book, and the second book is going to come out just because of this delay with the coronavirus. So we don't really know what's going to happen with this. Uh, with what is going on now really so the another book is gonna be on its way too if you check my website i put it on top of my instagram uh, bio so you can see all the book that's coming soon yeah oh, okay yeah um yeah because i know growing up because basically we kind of we, we we kind of grew up together in a way in italy and uh, i remember yeah. basically because i knew that yes you in the music pathway and there are some of your songs that have been seen on uh, i think you released a new album's Songs. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, like music has always been there, you know, something that I've been doing as just for fun, really. I know, music is my second passion, you know, like what I do when I'm just maybe free, I just do it, you know, but you know me, we'll be doing this for quite some yeah. time, you know, and um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so with this now, my question is, what kind of inspired you? What inspired to write a book? 
So basically, the, the inspiration for the book came from uh, just growing up as an African, you know, and and coming to Europe and seeing what our people are going through in Europe, and and then just questioning, like you know, uh, questioning why why is uh, why are we in the situation we are now? You know, when you look at this coronavirus, especially what is happening in Africa, you know, it's heartbreaking. So uh, it's just uh, those questions that you, or you always question you want to find answer to. The inspiration really came from there. So from, from there, I started gathering my thoughts around and researching and researching and researching until I figure out the solution for, for the problem. So that's why I call it Ozaro theory. It's a, it's a theory, it's a hypothesis. And some of my book has been submitted to the British uh, Psychological Journal, you understand me, in the UK. And uh, so they're going to review it and come back to me if there's something that they're going to accept as a study that could be implemented into the institution or universities, or, uh, or they can come back to me and say they need more empirical evidence. Uh, but I still, we're still working on that. So, you know, this is just, like I told you, this is just one of the first book, you know, on the, the point of developing the book is that is to is to kind of coin the idea of uh, African psychology. You know, I don't know if you've yeah. ever heard of African psychology. It's basically a psychology that is centered around African people. You understand me? So because when you look at the discrimination we have in the West, it, it seems like they don't understand African. So the book is kind of maybe opening the door to them and say, hey, maybe here's an African psychology you can study and use to understand Africans' behavior instead of labeling them uh, ADD or something like that, or you know, giving yeah. them all kinds of names that they shouldn't be, you know. But yeah, so that's where the book comes from, you know. So it's just an um, it's African psychology, really, you know. So and if you read it, you will understand. Okay, yeah. Um, in the book here, one second, let me scroll through. In the book here, I, it has about six chapters, if I'm if I'm right. Seven, seven. Oh, is this, oh, sorry, sorry, seven chapters. Yeah. And um, can you kind of explain chapter three, which says journey to Pan-Africanism? Yeah. So journey to Pan-Africanism just basically me uh, reviewing the idea of Pan-Africanism to really understand what it, what it is, the impact it has on the Black community, and if it's really something of, that has any significance you understand me so you know you know yeah. sometimes we black people take on ideas we don't really understand and we're not really questioning it if it's imparting our daily life you understand me so the idea of pan-africanism has been around i don't know i think before i even i was before i was born so and but we never really questioning what is pan-africanism what is it doing to help african people because look at African people in Africa. What is Pan-Africanism at the end of the day? What is it helping? It's not helping our people. So mm -hmm. if Pan-Africanism is basically a, a, an idea that is yeah. just thrown around because of uh, we want to get some sort of recognition or some sort of proud or pride, yeah. in, right. you know, within within black community, it's, it's something that we have to kind of revalue and, and, and ask ourselves the question, what is Pan-Africanism at the end of the day? How is Pan-Africanism changing the lives of African people? And if we don't find an answer to that, that means we shouldn't be using the word Pan-Africanism. And when you see a lot of Africans in diaspora, they talked about how they are Pan-Africanists, 
right? But when you look at the behavior towards Africa and behavior towards the people of color, you can ask yourself, like, where is Pan-Africanism? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So that that's just basically, basically is to revalue those, those, those ideas and see has an impact in African life, really. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, in your in the chapter five, you you kind of talked about change of perception. Yeah. You, what 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 do you mean about change of perception? Is it is it is it like, for example, um, is it like for example when the Africans when when they like come overseas, they have this kind of change of perception on um of how of, they see of what you. Of course, of course, Africans have a perception of what Europe is. And when okay. they come to Europe, some of those ideas or perception that they have about Europe, when they come to Europe, they don't find it. It, 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 it changes. So, but the problem is, it's not the Africans in Africa, it's we in diaspora who have been, who have come to Europe, we've tasted it, we know how it feels. So, so we should be be the one in position to educate them in Africa, like, hey, here's how Europe is. Don't okay. think you come to Europe, you get everything paid for. Don't think Europe is paved with gold. You know, don't think don't think money uh, grows on trees in Europe. Like Europe is not what you think. You know? So we have to educate them. But when you when you really take time to focus your your attention in the black community, what one one thing you have to realize is that there's a miseducation that is going on. People are not really yeah. honest with themselves. People are not honest with Africans in Africa. So most Africans that are in diaspora, that are living in Europe, they, they portray this lifestyle as, as if Europe is the paradise where we all have to be. So, and those Africans who are watching them from Africa, they think, they think that's what Europe is, really. So the change of perception is really basically questioning that, listen, we in diaspora, we have responsibility to educate okay. those in Africa what Europe really is, instead of lying or portraying Europe as this sort of heaven or earth place that we all have to come. And then when you look at the impact and the consequences of what we have done over the years during this process of miseducation, okay. like, you know Italy, you know how many people are crossing the Mediterranean Sea to come to Europe, yeah. and you know how many people are dying. You know, according yeah. to the UN, I think United Nations, right, in 2018 alone, about 324,000 migrants died in Mediterranean Sea, drowned. So, mm. so the, 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 that, is a, that is something we have to take seriously. Like, our people are trying to come to Europe because they see us portraying this lifestyle in Europe. So th those are the things that we have to focus on and tell them, educate them. You understand me? Yeah, but the, the thing is, yeah, but we're still on the same topic, this change of perception. Because according to you, according to the people that died coming through the sea to Italy and stuff like that, yeah. how, how can you change? Because no matter how hard you try, lots of them in Africa, They've, they've seen, they hear, they hear, and they even watch on TV how people die. Most of them, even their yeah. own brother, their own family person, it's died in the same process. But many of them, they are still willing. They are still like focused, like, yeah, it doesn't matter. That guy died. That's him. I'm, 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 I, I can go through it. I'll, I'll take the next boat, whatever, and I'll get to it, to, to yeah. Europe. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, how, to you, how can we change, like, someone's perception? How can we change someone's mind? Yeah. Yeah, over... I think that's a very good, that's a very good question, Tony. That's a very good question that I've asked myself over the years, that you have people on one hand who are, they're poor, they don't have any other option. And yeah. the other hand, we try to, we, we know the risk. You see, we on this side know the risk. So I think what we have to do is that we have to educate them. And in order for us to educate them, we have to be honest with ourselves. We, the one living in Europe, we have to be honest with ourselves like, and ask ourselves the question, have we really done much to help those Africans? Because if, if all we do is to buy a car, ship it to Africa, to buy all these nice clothes and nice shoes and go to Africa yeah. and show off to them, and brag yeah. about the things we have, we are fueling their desire to want to come to Europe. Right, yeah. And then they see us, they think that's just what Europe is. They have to go. They're not going to listen to neither one of us. They're going to go anyway. So because we are not taking the responsibility to try and educate them and say, listen, I know you have a desire to come to Europe, but here's the other side of Europe that you need to know before you take on that on, you take on you take on that journey, you know. So that change of perception has to happen. We Africans have to change our perception so that we can engage our people and bring them an awareness. Awareness is important, you know. So if people are not aware, yeah. there's nothing you can really do, you know, Tony. You have to bring we have to bring them awareness and tell them, yeah, the reality is here is the other side of Europe you don't see. And if you ask, if you see, there's a only few Africans that are willing to do that. Yeah. The Africans who live in Europe, they are willing to really tell honest truth about their condition in Europe. Most of them, they don't yeah. tell their family what they what they go through in Europe. They don't. But but don't you think that don't you think that this change of perception? Don't you think it, it should start from the top, like from our leaders in Africa? Because basically, you see them. Yeah. When they are sick, they all come to Europe yeah. to get to get well. That's correct. And they, yeah. They got hospitals over there. Why yeah. choose their hospital? Why do they think that you know, is the hospital in London or the hospital in Russia? That's where yeah. I can get the best. But why don't yeah. they have mind like, oh, wherever these people can afford in their hospitals, why can't we buy it? Who in the hospital? That's I'm talking about the leaders like from the president. Yeah, abs absolutely. You know, that's a brilliant question to because change has to start from the top. Absolutely. That, you see, that perception starts from the top. No one yeah. wants to risk their life to go to to go on through that deadly path that's the sea to go to travel over to to come over to Europe and stuff like that. So that's why yeah. I think if there's no change at the top, if the perception don't change at the top, there's no way you can tell them not to come over. It's like absolutely like, it's like someone hungry now and and here there's food over here. Where he is there's no food. Well, the person at the top has loads of food eating. If the person at the top don't give him food, he always wants to come over to where there's food. I don't yeah. know if you understand yeah, what I'm saying. So I do under I, I do I do agree with you. That's a brilliant question. You know, uh and what what I can say is that we have to bring awareness. You understand me? The leaders are not doing their job. We know that for more than four decades. So yeah. they're not doing their job. But we the younger generation like myself and like you yeah. or like someone else, whoever is listening, that we have to do the un unthinkable. We have to change it. Because if not, what we, the we're going to leave to the next generation yeah. this 
this environment of or this environment that 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 that, that celebrates bad behavior. You understand yeah. me? That celebrates yeah. corruption. That celebrates miseducation. That celebrates all kinds of you know negative negative behavior that you don't find in other communities. We have to make the change. You understand me? So the only thing I can say is like just like you said, right? They don't have food, so they don't have choice. But we, it's like we in Europe, in diaspora, we have a responsibility. Just imagine someone who is drinking dirty water. They are drinking dirty water because they don't have have other options to to find a clean water. But we cannot go there and knock off the dirty water from their hand and say, hey, you guys are drinking dirty water. Come on, stop drinking dirty water. We cannot do that. So the only thing we can do is, is to present them an alternative, which is to give them clean water and say, hey, I know you'll be drinking dirty water, Here's a clean water for you, right? Yeah. Whenever you have time, please try this. Yeah. That is what Ozaro theory is basically, I'm talking about, is basically I'm saying like, change of perception. Whenever you're ready, here's another alternative. You can, you, you, a point of reference you can use when you're ready, you understand me? So that's all we can do really. We cannot, we cannot change their life, but we can bring awareness to them and, and educate them the proper way. Oh, great. Nice one. Um, if we go to the next, the next question is, that's the chapter six. That's a very, very good, strong topic people here, which is hunters in a society of farmers. Can you break that down? So- yes. Well, hunters in the societies of farmers is basically an a, a analogy that I use in the book to kind of explain how Africans are different from European. You understand okay. me? So, I, and I make the analogy that Africans are hunters in the societies of farmers. Europeans are very proactive in everything they do. Western country they, is well organized and structured. You understand me? They are very proactive. They are very uh, 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 hardworking. You understand me? So I kind of put in, in this analogy to explain that it's just like a farmer. A farmer take time to farm. You know, they, they take time to, 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 to wet the soil, put the, put the seed, take time for the seed to grow takes time for everything to to become this thing we buy in the shop, like the fruit or the vegetables we buy in the shop. And then you have hunters who just wake up in the morning and they go hunt. They hunt, they kill, they eat, for that day it's over. So that is is what I'm trying to explain between the Africans, the difference between the Africans and the Europeans. Africans, we hunt for the day, we eat, and then we forget about tomorrow. Europeans are like a, a farmer, right? They, put, they, take, they take that time to plant the seed. They take that time to wet the, wet the soil. They take that time to cultivate the, the crop. They take that, that time to harvest it and becomes this great thing we find in the, we buy in the shops. So the, the difference is, is what I, make, I try to make people to understand like, here's how Europeans do it. We can, we can copy or do a reverse and re- reverse engineering and just take some of the idea that they're implementing and also implement it to ourselves. You understand me? No, no, not everybody got, got it figured out. You understand me? So there are certain things we have to learn from Europeans as well and say, here's certain things they're doing good that we are not doing and, 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 and try to copy that. You understand me? And just do, make it better for ourselves. And that, that's it. Yeah, but I think, I think that most... Most Africans, which you say yeah. they, are the, they are the hunter, I think most of them, they, they do have the ideas, but if you don't have 
if you don't have the structure, if you don't have the facilities, if you don't have that, if you don't have the backing, yeah, you 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 you, you just still you still you still be in the same place where you are. You won't be able to 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 move forward. It's just like the Europeans now. Yeah, they got they got all the backings they want. They got all the facilities they want. They want, they have all the things they want. There are people around to back them up. It's, so you see that it's it's kind of like it's, it's a different world. Absolutely. Af African, what we just need to do, Tony, you know, that's, that's a good question. That, what we just need to do, we just need to support each other more. That's all. Unity comes first. Without yeah. unity, you cannot do anything. The Chinese are united. The Arabs yeah. are united. Europeans are united. They uh, who go anywhere. They even, uh, uh, you know, in the UK, right, you go to the shops, are mostly owned by Indians and Pakistanis. They are very united group of people, community. So, you know, Africans, we have to understand that if we have to move forward as a people, we have to be united, you know, regardless of our differences. You know, you can have a different opinion. I can have a different opinion. You understand me? But that doesn't matter at the end of the day. If if we have a goal, you understand me? Our, our differences shouldn't separate us from our ideas. You understand mm. me? And also... You understand? So if we want to, if we really want to change anything, we have to be united. Like you yeah. want to start this uh, the media production, you yeah. know, I might have some good idea you might need. You understand yeah. me? Just feel free to ask. Or you can have a good idea about my book or about my music. I should be able to listen to your ideas and start taking yeah. it as a, as a criticism or as a, um, what, what, what's the word? You know, negative way. You understand me? So we have to be united as a people. If we are not united, Tony, we can sit here and talk for another hundred years. We're not going to go anywhere. We have yeah. to be united and we have to grow up as, as people. That's what men do. Men, you grow up, you understand how the world works, and then you align with people that think like you. And that is the first yeah. thing we have to do. Align with the people that think like us, that support our vision and support our ideas. Of course, there are many Africans who got good ideas. They don't get the support because our community, yeah. we are notorious for not supporting each other. You see? But in other communities, yeah, just... they got all the yeah, in other communities, they got all the resources that they need. They got all the all the uh the financial help that they need to support them. So, but in our community, we don't put those financial resources together. We don't do nothing. We just want to see other people fail. You understand me? Because the, I don't know, due to some petty stuff. But at the end of the day, we are we have to understand that it's not about us. At the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the future. You got children. I got children. You understand me? It's about the future for them. And if we are not willing to sacrifice for them. We shouldn't call ourselves men in the first place because men do what men are supposed to do, provide, protect, and, 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 and support your family. So if we are not doing that, we are not doing nothing. You understand me? Italians say prima la familia means your race first. So if we are really yes, that, if we are, if we are really that gangster as a people, we should understand that even the mafia talks about prima la familia. So it's about your, your kind first. So if we yeah. if we really that gangster, we should follow the principle, but we are not following that. So there's a lot of hypocrisy in the black community. But we have to be honest with ourselves and, and and say and say and say what it is and say this has to change. If not, if yeah. we are just like sugarcoating it and just lying to ourselves, 
we're not going to move anywhere, Tony. You know, that's just the, the honest truth. Yeah, that's true. Wow, wow. That's, that's a very strong, very strong word you just said now. Um, yeah. Um, the last question I'll ask you now is, can you just explain that emotional reservoir? But well, how do you, or what do you mean by that emotional reservoir? So basically, emotional reservoir is a concept I coined, you know, is a new term I coined. That's why I told you about the British Psychological Journal. We're still working with them to see if it's something that will be accepted. Emotional reservoir is, a re is a something I coined by when I started to like study the differences between black, white, and Asians in, yeah. in, in behavior and also in, gene in genetics as well. So what I discovered is that Africans have uh, Africans have a higher emotional reservoir. So basically, what, what is a higher emotional reservoir? Let me just explain it. So according to my theory, right, the people that, that, that evolve in Africa, right, so yeah. they, they absorb more emotional reservoir than Europeans and Asia. So basically, Africans have higher vitamin D in their, gen, in their genes. You understand me? So if you ask yourself, why are you, what makes us black? You understand me? Why are we black? Why are we not white? Because we come from a place where it's very hot. The tropical Africa, the, the, the environment makes us black because it's very hot in Africa. So then the question is that these differences in, in, um, in skin complexion, how does it yeah. alter the differences, right, in behavior? Yeah. So what, what I've studied, you know, which is as, it has been a very intense study, what I've, yeah. what I've come up with is that Africans' behavior is slightly different from European. You see, we talked about black people not coming together. Then the question is that why are they not coming together? What I realize is that Africans have emotional reservoir, a very high emotional reservoir. So in other words, Africans are just a bit too emotional, you understand me, than Europeans and Asia. So this emotional reservoir is what is holding African back. African are just too emotional. They are too emotional to the point whereby emotion kind of hijacks their cognitive ability, which is their neocortex, which is the thinking brain. You understand me? So which makes Africa behave in a certain way that is not socially acceptable, but because no psychologist has ever pointed it out to our people that our people are too emotional, and that is the reason that our society is failing, so we just carry on as if it's a normal routine and as if it's a, a normal way of life. So that's what emotional reservoir is. It's basically that Africans are a bit too emotional. And I, in the book, I lay, out, I lay down the step that we can take to kind of help to reduce this emotion. You understand me? So uh, that's just what it is. That's good. Yeah, um, there's a question here by, from Pascal. Shout out to Pascal. He said, I believe one of the major problems in Africa, especially Nigeria, is religion. Can you? It's, it's kind of, it's saying religion is a problem. One of the major yeah. problems is religion. So what do you think about that? I, I think Pascal is right. You know, like, of course, Nigeria problem, African problem, not just Nigeria in, in any way. You know, African problem is religion. But, you know, Religion, you know, I study philosophy. I've been studying the work of Greek philosophy for more than six months. You know, I really went in. And what I come to realize is that religion is, is, is not real. Religion is a man-made uh, 
I don't know what what what's the word you want to use. It's a fiction. It's a story. It's, it, you know, it's not real. But <laughs> to me, I feel I feel to me I feel religion was used as a trade trade by butter stuff. Yes, uh, yes, uh, uh, that, yeah, you're right. Over for exchange of goods and services. You're right, you're right, you're right. You're right, your religion was, here's how they created religion. So basically religion was created during the time of, 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 of slavery, really, because yes. it's a way that to condition the people, you understand me, not to rebel against their oppressor. So, so again, because when you really think about it, how can the same European who brought us Christianity were the one enslaving us at the same time. At the same time, point. You know, ask yourself the question, why would they be enslaving us and putting our people in chains and castrating them and doing all kinds of evil to them, or at the same time, they're giving them religion to teach them not to rebel, to, to pray to God, to forgive their enemy. Religion was basically a tool to manipulate, to control, and that's what it was created for. The reason why Africans are so or like what Pascal said, the problem, why religion has become a problem in Africa, because we have people in Africa who call themselves pastors who have taken this religion and see it as a way to quickly enslave the people. You understand me? So because yeah. there are a lot of people that are uneducated in Africa. They don't have the, the right education. So people who got a little education like this, right, they, they quickly take religion and use it as a way to even enslave the people more by miseducating them and telling them, well, they have to do this, pay their tithe, and you know, exploit them to them, you know, exploit them so that take money from them, what, what have you. That's why religion has become a problem. If you go to Africa now, in every two streets, there's a church. You understand me? Yeah. In every two streets, there's a church. At the end of the day, if you look at the amount of amount of time that black people spend in church instead of taking that time to, to develop ourselves or to spend reading or studying, it's just, it's just astronomical. Black people spend too much time in church, less time in personal development. And that is the problem. But in, in order for us to change it, again, Tony, we have to bring awareness that religion is a story, it's not real. Okay, and uh, I think there's another question again by Pascal. said, in Africa, should politics be a full-time job? Wow. <laughs> that, that, was... that is a good question, my friend. <laughs> that is a good question. If, okay. if, if politics should be a full-time job, wow. Uh, depend what Pascal mean by full-time job, you know? Like, I don't know. You know, politics Pascal... is just a way... Pascal, what do you yeah. mean by full-time job? What do you mean by full-time job? Uh, you know, depending what it means by full-time job, you know, like, it's, it's very hard to answer that question because politics should be a way of, of governing a society, you understand? So, yeah. So, if, if, yeah. So, if politics is not doing that in Africa, then we have to ask what is politics for, you understand me? So, and African politicians are not doing that. So, they are doing the opposite of that. So, now he has become a real full-time job for the politicians because they just see it as an opportunity to miseducate the masses, to take their wealth and run away and go somewhere else. You know, but politics, when you, 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 you live in a developed country, you know, politics, when you see where the politics are, are run in Western society, you see that it's different from where African run politics. So politics shouldn't be 
in other words, a full-time job, you know, because yeah. but in Africa, is he? He has he, is uh, a he has responded. He said, uh, "Should they be paid a lot for working for the country?" Absolutely not. Absolutely yes. not. No. So absolutely not. They shouldn't be paid too much money for trying to, to govern the country. Like anybody that has a good idea or wants to go into politics, it's because you really genuinely love to help the people, right? We shouldn't pay you for that. It's because you have a genuine heart to help the people. So if people are going into politics to get paid, that means they don't care about the people. That's just what it is. Yeah, that's that's true. They shouldn't be paid a lot. They it's shouldn't like, be paid a lot. Just like churches that they pay pastors a lot. I don't know why should yeah. you why should you pay someone that is kind of teaching you, putting you on the right path. You're paying the person a lot of money just to put you on yeah. the right path. It's not yeah. so it's with politics too. When you are when you are there and you know you are a leader, well you are, you need to you need to lead with your heart, you need to lead with all your with 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 everything you got. So at yeah. least that your people are living right, your people are doing things that are right, rather than you kind of like just come out with rubbish, then they pay you loads of money, siphon yeah. money, things like that. So to yeah. me, I feel, I feel the yeah, that's what that, that's what politics is. That's what politics is now in Africa. It's just a way to like get rich. It's like like a get rich quick, you know. So yeah. it's not. It shouldn't be the the way, you know. But hey, we still need change. We still need to bring awareness and educate people, like. Look at this coronavirus issue in Africa now. You see yeah. that people are home. They, there's a lockdown, you know, and people are not giving the help that they need at this time. So that if the politicians really care about the people of Africa or the people of Nigeria, this is this is the time to show it. You see, this is the right time to show their love for the people, but they are not doing it. So that means they never cared about the people. Yeah. So. I see Pascal is back again. He said, should the Southeast population of Nigeria be given a referendum? Is it, is it like splitting no, the country? No, I know, the, the, the Briafra, right? Is it the Briafra, yeah. right? The, the yeah, Igbos. Exactly. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, Igbos, Igbos are like a godsend to Nigeria. The Igbos are very uh, they are very people. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very talented people and very skillful people. So Nigeria, be, Nigeria should be grateful for having the Igbos in Nigeria. So I don't think the, the, the it would be it would be heartbreaking for to see the Igbo leave Nigeria. But at the same time, I can understand the struggle, like the you know the the struggle of the Biafran people, because they've been oppressed in Nigeria. At the end of the day, is it right for them to to leave Nigeria? No, but can they stay in Nigeria? You see, but we, that's a question we have to ask ourselves. The Igbos are oppressing Nigeria, and 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 it's not good. The Igbos are very talented. If it's, if it wasn't for the Igbo, because when I was in Nigeria growing up, you see, when any any brand or product comes out in Europe, give the Igbo two weeks, you see a copy of that same product in Nigeria. Yeah, boy, yeah. You see, but, but then, but 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 that's talent, Tony. That's talent at the end of the day. That is talent, you know, yeah, because they can produce. Exactly. So to me, no, to me, I, I don't blame the Igbo people for anything because what mm. what they're trying to do, they're trying to tell us that we, they, we need to like embrace what we have. If we embrace yeah. our products, 
we embrace our product, Nigeria will move forward. But absolutely, so yeah. to me, it doesn't make sense that way. And to no, me, no. thing shouldn't work. My pro- the problem I just think is the problem I think Nigeria is facing is is tribalism. I think the language is too much in Nigeria. I think you're right, you know, but I think it comes down to leadership, you know. We African, we need a good leader. You understand me? A good leader would bring the people together. A country like Nigeria shouldn't be based on tribalism, like Yoruba, Hamza, Igbo. No, you know, I think by now Nigeria should, should legalize pidgin English or institutionalize pidgin English that everybody can speak, regardless exactly. of what, what part of Nigeria you're from. You understand me? And, and again, to answer the question about the Igbos being marginalized in Nigeria, yes, they be marginalized, but we cannot let the, Nigeria cannot let the Igbo go. If Nigeria let the Igbo go, that country would we, we disintegrate. You understand me? The Igbo are access to Nigeria. They are a powerful group of people, and they are, they are there for a reason. We should utilize the Igbo for good things. In Nigeria, they do amazing things. I saw a yeah, car that was yeah, produced sure. in Nigeria. I saw a car that was produced in Nigeria, produced by an Igbo man. So the, the Igbos are, are talented people. We have to use them and, and know their value before we lose them, you know? So the Igbo, no, no. The Igbo has to stay. But we have to fight for fight with them and fight for a better Nigeria for all of us. No, you understand me? So, uh, so uh, to you now, what do you think? If, uh, for example, if if you are given a chance now to rule yeah. Nigeria for yeah. a just a day, just a day, what yeah. I think is going to change? What would I change? Yeah, or what I think are you are you going to put in place, or what I think that you're going to change? All right. Well, that's a good question. I never thought of ruling Nigeria, but if I do have the opportunity to rule Nigeria as a country. The first thing we must do is a reconciliation, right? That reconciliation, that country is bleeding. That country is bleeding from within. So there's an internal bleeding in that country. So we need a reconciliation amongst all the tribe. So I would call all the tribe to the table and have a consultation and come together and agree how we're going to rule that country. So that would be the, only, the first thing I would do. And then other ideas might, might follow after that. But first of all, a reconciliation amongst all the tribe. You understand me? Because you cannot govern a country or you can never you cannot have a house that is disorganized. You see? Right, Even yeah. a family, you cannot have a family that is fighting each other within. You cannot do anything, really. So we need a unity. So the first thing to do will be to reconcile with everybody. The Igbo have to be given the, a voice. The Yoruba have to be given a voice. The adults have to be given a voice. The answer have to be given a voice. Everybody needs a voice. Everybody needs to belong to something. And until we find that something to, to bring these people together, there is no country for all of us. So the first thing I would do is, is a process of reconciliation, bringing everybody together. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Pascal, uh, this, this is a tough one. He said, what do you think about the conspiracy theory about what do you think about the conspiracy theory about the billionaire Bill Gates as the Antichrist? <laughs> Bill Gates is not <laughs> the Antichrist, definitely. Antichrist does not exist. 
Pascal, all right? If you Antichrist does not exist. It's not coming. Christ does not exist. It doesn't exist, Pascal. So, so just relax, man. He just wants to know your opinion anyways. Yeah, yeah. So my opinion is that the gates, of course, there is an agenda to reduce the world population. That is that has been around for many years. You understand me? So I think since 1960s, so there's an agenda to reduce the world population. And you see, in my book, I, oh, if you read the end of my book, I talk about the survival of African people and African-Americans as well. You know, I kind of predicted this global catastrophe was going to come anyway. You know, it's in my book. Yeah, it's in my yeah. book. So there's an agenda to reduce black population in Africa and also African Americans as well. There's a there's an agenda to reduce the world population. So what Bill Gates is basically doing, he's like the like the you can say the the the, the guy behind this uh vaccine, uh the creation of vaccination, vaccine for this African country. So he's been funding institutions to develop vaccine to kill millions of people. And that is what he's been doing for many years. You, if you look at every species as gay regarding vaccination or pandemic or even Africa, he's been talking about vaccination, vaccine African, vaccine Africa. So the gate has an agenda to kind of push vaccine to Africa to kill millions of people. And that is that is not a conspiracy, that's a fact. You understand me? So at the end of the day, we have to be careful that you know we don't we don't take vaccine. And also People who people in diaspora, you know, if they introduce vaccine, you guys have to be careful not to let your children get vaccination. You understand me? Because it's it's, it's a very dangerous thing. Yeah, but this this stuff about them reducing population stuff. They they're reducing population. They're putting people in lockdown. After the lockdown, are we not going to have more children on the way? We're gonna have more babies coming in it. People they see people After gonna the give after the you know, lockdown. You know how many pregnant people now they're going to give birth after the lockdown, like nine months from now? Yeah. So well, well, to I, me, I don't... You see, I, it, yeah, yeah I, I don't want... Yeah, I don't want to really go into details. You understand me? This lockdown, there's an agenda behind it, you know, but I think we're going to discuss that some of the time, you know? But there's an agenda... <laughs> yeah, there's an agenda behind the lockdown. The lockdown is not basically for coronavirus. It's, there's another agenda behind that. But that's something we can discuss some other time. That's, you know, enough, fair enough. different, yeah. But yeah, you know, but at the end of the day, people's gonna have baby, they're still gonna live their life. We cannot stop them, you know? So, but yeah, yeah. Wow, see, see what uh, Lisa, Lily66 said. She said, there's a new law that you cannot have more than four kids in some countries now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. That's... It's true. <laughs> it's true. In China, you cannot have more than two, but they are one point something billion in population. So then yeah, you think that, about that kind of law can't happen in Africa, though, because in a country that you're allowed to marry more than three, four wives. So what are you going to do? Well, it has to happen. If we really want to change Africa, we have to kind of control the, the amount of children people can have so that we can have a better society because the amount of children also reflect the amount of poverty, really. Because when you look at people with more children tend to be more poorer. That's just the truth. But 
if we really want to develop Africa, not like the poor restriction and tell people not to have babies, but we have to kind of educate people to, to kind of limit the amount of children they have so that they can educate the one they have, educate them better, give them a good education so that they can succeed in life. So it just, it's, you know, it's a vice versa thing, you know, but in the end of the day, people still going to live their life. You understand? Yeah, um, Alisa, you, okay, yeah. She said in Russia, okay, because she, she lives in Russia. She said, right. it's just, you, you're only allowed to have four children, four kids. Four, no yeah. There was, we had like I, six, they had like six of plates. What are they going to yeah. take back to of you? I think, you I know? think Russia, having four children is good. It's good in Russia because in China, you only oh. have two. Yeah, yeah, but what if the what if the, the woman gives birth to six kids at the same time or seven babies at the same time? <laughs> oh, yeah, or to, happens. It happens once in a while, isn't it? What are you going to do? Because six, six, six kids at the same time. I don't think that's scientifically possible, though. Yeah, there's six plates now. There's octuplets. Is it? I've never I've never so, seen that. Though, but, yeah. No, go go online. Go I, online. You see, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll check it out. I never. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know that, but. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow, 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 wow. Anyways, yeah. anyways, it's it's really it's really great talking yeah, with you. I... And um for for you guys listening, he just wrote his new book and it's called The Osaro Theory. Theory, yeah. You can find it on Amazon, you can find it on any on Amazon bookstore. It's on Kindle. Any online bookstore, yeah. So basically I I did mine on Kindle because I couldn't wait for Amazon to bring mine, so I had to get it on Kindle, and yeah. trust me, I'm going to go through it. And but the, the the topics, the topics in all the chapters, they are they are very very interesting. It's something that everyone needs to kind of get a copy and read through. And uh, yeah. yes, that's what it is. Nice one. I really appreciate having you. Well, thank, having you yeah, thank you. Brother. And trust me, yeah, it's not the end. It's not the end. We're going to come back again another time, and we're going to come up. It's not just. This time we're not going to talk about books again. We're going to just talk about general problems, things happening, yeah. what we can put together. Because the main, the main thing, the main thing about this, my and this my life thing is this life program is how yeah. change lives. Yeah, you know, trust me, trust me. There are loads of people that are praying every day to be where you are right now, and you, yeah, you and I, we pray to get higher of course absolutely so so, so we we have a yeah we have a responsibility so, to help them you know so so we we need to just we're going this program is going to keep coming and uh we're going to bring we're going to we're going to like we come we're going to bring ideas to the table and see how we can change lives yeah how we can change life even if absolutely. it's not all about money but it's just all about ideas yeah what we can do, and that's what it is. So the yeah. name of the book, the name of the book is Os the Osaro Theory. I'll write it out. Now. The Osaro Theory. Good. So that's the name of the book. It's on Amazon. You can get it on your Kindle. It's lovely. It's lovely, and uh, yeah. Nice one, yeah. Love it. Yo, Tony. Thanks for for yeah. having me and uh, giving me this uh, platform. You know, like you know, we, we share my ideas. Come back. Come yeah, back. definitely. Just let me know. All right, take it easy, brother. Okay, okay. take it.